on the tee, Jack Nicklaus. This is the minute the millions around the world have waited for. We will allow you to enjoy all of this. They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the Bogeyman Golf Podcast, hosted by Dave and Johnny. So the USGA and the RNA came out with their findings off of the uh, Distance Insights report, or they came with, with their uh, recommendations or areas of interest. And to, to break it down, to explain it to myself in particular, um, we, ha- we are joined by Mark Amani, a PGA Pro and fitting technician from Concept Golf, and Brian Wacker, a writer for Golf Digest. Guys, how you doing? Well, thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Yeah. Um, Brian, if I could start with you, could you just give us in layman's terms, what have the USGA and the RNA found? Well, um, I'm not sure there's anything entirely new here, um, but really um, this was just them making the case that they're serious about rolling back distance. Um, You know, what they're actually going to do about that or how they come to that that's still very much up in the air, I think. Um, you know, they've talked about a half dozen proposals, potential proposals, everything from limiting um, driver shaft lengths uh, to the golf ball and, and limitations there, things like spring-like effect on drivers. Um, there, so there are a handful of proposals that they're looking at. That said, uh, I think we're still a ways away from anything actually taking place this is just kind of feels like a lot of uh harumphing and 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 uh and and kind of um clearing of the throat if you will uh which we've seen them do before um in talking about their distance report and and they've they're making it clear that they're serious about looking about uh at at this and and the issue of distance in golf because uh, as we've seen we've all seen in the pro game it's it's been a real topic it's it's a you know you look at what bryson did at uh, Bryson DeChambeau did it winged foot at the U.S. Open last year, and, and that's kind of exhibit A, and, and there have been plenty of other exhibits too. So, uh, you know, where this goes from here, though, is still very much unclear. Um, you know, does it affect, uh, end up affecting professional golf, amateur golf, one, not the other? Um, I, I think there's still a lot of unanswered questions here, but it, but it's certainly a hot topic uh, as, you know, distance uh, – has become one, especially in the last few years. And so, Mark, why or or is this bad or good for the average golfers initially? We'll talk about it from from our perspective. Yeah, um, it's quite interesting what they've come out with, and what we have to kind of remember is they've come out with this without saying that it's going to be through the board. They've come out and kind of said they they may implement this at tour level. So they haven't said that they're going to fulfill kind of the whole golf industry um, with limiting distance um, to, to, to what they're saying. So I think with the statement, they're kind of getting everyone talking and um, like what we're doing. Um, and they're kind of getting uh, maybe just starting to ruffle the feathers and just ultimately see what's going to come back. I think what we have to consider um when I say we, I'd say manufacturers, is that on a global scale of selling equipment, um, golf ball, driver, in this case, as to what um, they've alluded to, um, that's going to have a huge impact on, on sales. You know, It's going to have a huge impact on how these, these products evolve. You know? um, there's already limits within what the golf ball can do. There's already limits within what the driver can do. Um, so that's the interesting thing for me is, is that in the last kind of 48 hours or so, it's, it's how they've kind of presented it without kind of directly saying, well, we're going to deter or we're going overall to, to, to everyone. So I think that's a little confusing and a little, little worrying as well. 
we're probably having this conversation on and really is in press conferences the the gift that keeps on giving is R- Rory's outburst yesterday and it, like he was begging to be asked a question he was he was like finished his press conference said no one asked me and I can't remember who it was just said right I'm give me give me what you want to say and and he went off on one and I don't think he went off on one. That, like it was planned it didn't have the feel of a like a corporate line which is from a tailor-made but i don't think it was tailor-made that were that were having a dig he basically called out the rna and the usga saying you've wasted a shit pile of money doing this now i read a lot of the report today and i'd be inclined to agree that they wasted a lot of time anyway like pulling in stats from pre-1900 into the distance report comparing golf balls that were made out of feathers to what they've been doing but if you dig into it and a lot of people haven't seen the report when you go and have a look at the pro game and they actually do a good job of highlighting driver influence in the late uh, mid 90s to late 90s then ball influence and you do see an upward to to the right curve but where Rory was pointing out I think in his chat yesterday was that the problems that they're saying that they have at the pro game are not problems that the amateur game if you look at your average eight handicapper since 1996 the average distance they hit it is eight yards more the biggest gap that they said they've seen or biggest growth rate they've seen is a plus 21 handicappers have gone up by 14 yards but they hit twice as many drivers now as they did in 1996 because the clubs are easier to hit so where myself and johnny were having a good forward and back on text is that I completely agree with Rory's line that this looks like a massive waste of money and time. I don't yeah, know. I was that, on that, that call actually with Rory yesterday and uh, it was entertaining. He clearly wanted to get <laughs> that bit uh, off his chest. And look, this isn't the first, first time that, um, that Rory, you know, has, uh, you know, spoken out about the USGA and RNA and so forth. Um, there was a, there was a story we did a couple of years ago at Golf Digest um, in the wake of the 2016 U.S. Open fiasco at Oakmont with Dustin Johnson's penalty, where we talked to a number of players anonymously for Golf Digest, and um, the the relationship between tour players and the USGA had become so bad that there was talk of of a boycott of players boycotting. There was now look did, did that mean um you know rory's name got mentioned in that dustin johnson adam scott uh, phil mickelson there were some there were some players names mentioned but um did that mean that there was actually going to be a boycott no I, but what it was really was kind of a message that they were sending to the usga and, and this was clearly another case of that where rory was sending a message to the usga he got to that the end of that interview and in, in Frankly, I was surprised it didn't get asked. I, I thought about it and, and kind of was juggling a couple of things as we were on the call. Uh, and I'd spoken with a number of players already in the week. And uh, they had, uh, we saw Webb Simpson's comments. Uh, he had quite a bit to say, uh, although I, I'm not sure I agree with, with all of his points in terms of, you know, we need to be more creative with our course architecture and things like putting a tree 20 yards in front of the tee box at 13 of Augusta just doesn't, doesn't make any sense. Um, but, uh, Rory clearly wanted to get this off his chest. And, and I think he made some good points, you know, look, but, um, you know, th- this affects, um, uh, the USGA, uh, to his point, much of their focus should be on, um, the amateur aspect and growing the game and so forth. And, and look, frankly, uh, you know, some of it is, but, um, the professional game, you know, really, you wonder where this is going. You wonder if this is going to lead to, and I think this is what what's what was important in, in the USGA's and RNA's statement was, you know, are we going to see a local rule where some of these limitations are put into effect? Uh, so, you know, to your point about the amateurs, look, we, I mean, we all hit the ball. We all play golf. We all hit the ball farther straighter than we did I, w- I would gather 
even 10 years ago. Uh, and it's got little to do with our swing. So, um, and, and you don't want to stunt that for sure. So make the game more difficult for the pros. The rest of us, we, the game's hard it's enough, man. It's difficult to know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, I, I just think on that point with Rory, for me, observing it um, yesterday, I've never seen so much passion in him giving an interview. And it was just fantastic. Just, he was... <laughs> He was excited. He was vexed. He he really just saw a different side, you know. And I I, I completely agree with him. I just think um, from from what the amount of money that they've put into it, that they've just come out with a, a very kind of vague statement with no kind of plan or structure in place to implement anything. They've kind of just thrown something something out there. So as as an entertainment product then is rolling the ball back for the professional golfers, that must be a good thing for us. I mean, Dave, you and I were talking recently about how much we love watching Patrick Reed short side of himself because his ability to get out of awkward situations is incredible. <laughs> if if you start having longer clubs into greens, surely more people are going to miss greens and we're going to have more opportunity to watch those type of incredible up and downs. For clarification, Johnny's referring to golfing awkward situations, not social awkward situations. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. I think um, if, if I was to say just one thing, if you start rolling back the golf ball, it's the implication you have on the golfer who might be 86% of the time greens and regulation. He's now further back because he's probably not a 300-yard hitter of the golf ball. So all of a sudden, that guy who's fantastic with kind of short game, fantastic with um, scoring ability um, in greens and reg or proximity to the hole, he's now probably got more yards to cover because he's not fulfilling that, that distance that he, that he once did. A key example would be Matthew Fitzpatrick. His average distance off the tee is 284 yards on the PGA Tour stats. But yet he's 86.5, uh, 86.05 greens in regulation, which I think he's about eight. He's in top 10. So if you roll back the golf ball, now all of a sudden Fitzpatrick's not getting as far off the tee. And now he's, he's incurring a huge challenge of greens in reg, potentially, because he's a longer club in. And by the way, that yardage at 86.05% uh, is from 150 to 175 yards. Not to sound un, uncaring to the professional athlete, but he's a professional athlete and, you know, that's his job, that's his skill is to, to be good at golf. Yeah. Like, he's paid well enough to do it. Like, is that not just like, that's the rules. I think what it would do is, you know, in part, if, you're, if you dial some of this back, it separates um, the game a bit more at the top. I, you know, I can remember conversation with Adam Scott, um, a couple of conversations really where he pointed out, now there's a guy who's 40 years old. He sort of straddles both generations in terms of equipment, grew up, you know, as a kid, he played persimmon when he turned pro, he had steel shafts, smaller, you know, metal club heads, steel club, um, you know, so now he said, you know, and his point was that, the driver used to be a, a risky play to hit driver, particularly on certain holes. And now it's become the go-to club. And the distance, he said, doesn't bother him so much. Um, it's more, uh, you know, the fact that, that it's easier to hit the club now. It's easier to hit driver now. And, and you don't have, um, you know, the golf ball doesn't move as much. Uh, look, you can still make the golf ball move, you know, people like Bubba Watson, Phil Mickelson, et cetera, but, but it's those off center hits. Uh, and of course, you know, at that level, we're talking millimeters, centimeters. Um, so to me that, you know, I, I think what it does, if you bring it back, it, it separates the guys at the top even more. It, it benefits them even more because they stand out that much more. Um, the, the better you are, the, the better you're going to, um, you know, be able to separate yourself 
from the pack. And I think, Mark, to your point, sir, Matt, it's, it's like you'd like to think that if, if the guys are going in with sand wedges, pitching wedges to everything, and they're forced to come back to eight irons, seven irons, what Matt usually hits in, and he's obviously a very, very good player, iron player. And if he comes back to five and six iron versus what the guys are playing at eight and nine, is, are, are the guys, is their dispersion going to go all over the place? Because they're forced not to be that close in. So there's probably an argument that both sides, but I do see how the distance, you just hope that whatever solution goes in impacts proportionately at each length if you know what I mean, and that the guys that yeah. don't, there's yeah. not a group that suffers, that suffers more because what we're talking about here is that, and it's what Rory said yesterday, is that looking at these distance gains through the lens of professional golf cannot impact in any way amateur golf. And, Agreed. And, and I think that's where he kind of got animated about it was the growing the game piece. I don't think he didn't sound like he was. He has said before he doesn't mind playing with a ball. He kind of sounds like the guy who's just give me a ball and I'll play with it kind of thing and let me beat whoever's in front of me. And then there's guys who will be very precious about it. Like I imagine Tiger now. Like you see the, the, the depth he goes to in terms of his preference on golf ball. And he kind of spearheaded this with Bridgestone way back in before Pebble Beach, before the Open in 99. Where he only had three, he only had three balls left playing, or two balls left playing the last, for example. But as he was using a prototype, but there will be guys that will this will suit, and then there's guys that will just get on with it. And Rory, to me, fits into the latter category, and it's the amateur influence that he's probably gone. Now, where I'd love to want to know is where does this then stop in terms of its filtration into the amateur game? As in, do we go to so in Ireland? Uh, we obviously have all of the national um, the national championships or regional championships. And do they, do they fall into that? Does the U.S. amateur fall into that? Like, where, do, where does the line stop? And all of a sudden it becomes so blurred and so ridiculous that no one knows. And then who's to stop a fella playing with the wrong ball? It, it just seems so disjointed. Yeah, it seems for me like that's where the line for or like the argument for bifurcation gets blurred is because you're going to have elite amateurs like Dave you're a scratch golfer like do you start playing with a reduced ball like at what point does it start coming into play um we spoke about this and you you didn't like it Dave what about the idea of a tour ball so different brands manufacturers put a bid into the PGA tour that for the 2020-2021 season, this ball is the tour ball. Every player plays it. Because every other ball sport has that. Every other ball sport uses one ball. Golf is the only sport that uses an individual ball per individual. Is that something that you would see as an alternative, as a way of around reduced ball, but it's just the golf ball? Mark? Um. I wouldn't think so. I think the endorsements, I think the revenue that is behind it all um, would have a, a huge influence on that from the manufacturers. Um, obviously, you're looking at Titleist as number one ball in golf. Um, they, they practically own 50% of the market share um, through, through the different uh, ball categories. Um, after that, it will probably be between probably another three, three companies. Um, so to have one kind of uh, spearhead the the, the kind of usage on tour, um, I, I don't think that would happen. Um, again, it could be, uh, and I'll throw it out there to, to what Dave alluded to with Tiger collaborating with Bridgestone many years ago um, after he'd finished with Titleist, but they put a Nike stamp on it. So maybe the, the ball might have different logos or stamps or, or other uh, elements um, to, to meet the, the criteria and the needs of the, of the, the wider industry for, for these manufacturers to create the revenue. So I think it'd be very tricky as well because where does it stop after that to, to where you guys were, were alluding to? Um, and it's, again, you're just, 
you're going into something really, really deep that do we really need to go there, you know? Yeah, it's it's interesting because you know, I like I came from I came to golf for sort of from other sports. It it wasn't the first love, if you will, or first sport I, I grew up playing. And golf is very unique to those other ones, to your to your point. That's the only one that, you know, people can use different golf balls. Um I don't know, you know, I think you nailed it. Money clearly there's too much money. I, I don't think we're going to see, uh, you never want to see never, but I'm not sure we'll ever see uh, one tour golf ball um, where that happens. Now, look, if, if Augusta national were to, to get on board with that, that would certainly change. Your ghost of golf ball. Yes. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> that. But to me, I, you know, I, I still struggle with, why can't there be some sort of limitation um, on what a ball played in a professional event can be or what number of club, you know, how many clubs can you use in a professional event, uh, you know, 10 versus 14 as an example, um, or, you know, the specs have to fall between X and Y for a professional event. And it is tricky when you get in because there are a lot of um, top level amateurs, certainly, a, a lot of big amateur events, frankly, and how do you go about it? But, you know, if you look at sports in this country, for example, with my, my America centric view over here, uh, you know, college basketball, the three point line is closer uh, than it is to the NBA uh, than it is in the NBA. So, um, you know, now I'm not sure that's quite an apples to apples comparison, but um, you know, why couldn't there be, uh, some delineation, some way to come up with this uh, where, you know, look, and if you're an amateur playing in a professional event, you've got to abide by those, whatever those rules are. Um, there seems to be, to me, I think there's somewhere in the middle uh, on these things. I, I don't think there's, I don't think the answer lies in an extreme of, of one ball um, or, or just rolling everything back. Um, the, the answer is probably somewhere in the middle to me. Like Mike, yeah. you you'd probably speak to this, Mark, better. Like I, I was just looking up, like what is the quickest possible, quickest possible solution? And the immediate thing in my head was actually compression of golf ball, as in yeah. make everyone play with. So everyone like the balls are just getting harder and harder and harder, and technology on the core is making them go further. Technology on the surface is making them spin more. It might be vice versa. I don't know, but. All I know is that a lower compression golf ball is not going to go as far. And it, it, it could be a standardized piece. Like it just could that every, and so easy to test. Like it's just a pressure place, a test basically. And the, the piece is that they can only play the Pro V1 in that lower compression. And you know what? If your average punter wants to go and buy that ball and play with it and play like the pros, do you know what? Have at it enjoy yourself have a great time because i don't think like we need to be impacted on this like we like golf is hard enough for us like playing in the wind on a cold day in ireland is no fun get those days in ireland <laughs> at the best of times once in a while that's summertime yeah exactly yeah i haven't even got to winter yet Brian, to be honest <laughs> but like golf is fucking hard enough it, it shouldn't be this like massive rigmarole and this is where I go back to rory's ire at this thing is a hundred page document about a feather golf ball in 1900 it's like we know the ball didn't go that far back then we know that the pro game They've just got better. They've got fitter, stronger, faster technology. It's like, Evolution. yeah, it's a perfect, it's a perfect storm to be honest. I don't know if you've, if anyone's gone to a tour event lately, but go down to the practice range and see the size of these guys. They're absolute fucking animals. They're just, they're, they're proper, proper athletes and they're using the best of technology. Um, like fine, give them a ball and let them, let them do what they want. But for this trickle down effect to, to happen would be, it, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. And, and look, pro, pro golf is, I think Rory said this in an interview recently, it's, it's not the same golf that we play. It's, it's a different game. Um, just as, 
Um, look, I wrote a story uh, not all that long ago about um, the Miami Heat, the basketball team, their shooting coach is an excellent golfer, uh, plus handicap. Very, very, very good. Um, tried to make it on uh, tour early in his life. Um, and we, we had a conversation about like, you know, there are, just like in golf, there are a ton of great basketball players around the world that you've never heard of and, and never will see, and never know a, a thing about. But it's, it's a completely different game, the NBA, versus what, what basketball is. And, and just like uh, professional golf is, is different than the game any of us play or, or most, even a high-level amateur uh, plays. So uh, it's just a completely different sport and a completely different game. Yeah, I think it's the, the one thing or the argument against or a warning that I would foresee around bifurcation is um, Roy then went on to talk about how approachable the game is. If bifurcation comes into the game of golf, it's going to be us footing the bill for it because four players don't pay for, pay for golf balls and golf balls are expensive enough as they are. So mm. like, is there an argument to be made for everyone everyone's ball being rolled back economically uh, i wouldn't like to see it to be honest um i think and is that is that just because you think golf is hard enough for me at eight or is that just a i, I like driving 270 and 280 yards and i don't want that taken away from me. yeah i think what you've done is you've already taken you've already limited what you can achieve out of the game right now someone coming into the game, be it uh, a beginner, be it someone who now has a handicap playing off, let's say, eight, eight between eight and ten. You're limiting what they can potentially achieve in, 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 the, in the distance side of the game and, and, and because we've capped what, what that golf ball can do. Right now, it's capped and it's, it's, it's able to do a certain amount of things. But for that beginner coming in, it's like, oh, yeah, they've rolled back the ball or they've done this with a club. It's an off-put nearly straight away. And I think that's what I kind of picked up on with Rory is that these these governing bodies should have actually turned around and said, we want to use the likes of Bryson, use the likes of DJ Rory, these guys that, yeah, like you can have fun on a golf course absolutely smashing the backside out of a golf ball. Um and it's like, that's the allure. That's where you're going to get um, people taking up the game. And again, to his point, the, the best point to me that he made was through this awful time of a pandemic, we've got people actually sitting at home looking at golf, probably wanted to play golf for the first time ever. And we should be actually getting people into the game getting a driver, getting a, a, an iron, whatever it may be, into their hands and just go and trash it. Whereas now there's this whole um, element of a, of a big, big storm, big story coming where we're thinking of rolling it back, but we don't know how we're going to roll it back. And it's just, it's very off-putting. Mm. I think a lot of amateurs have a million and one problems with their swing before they even approach the golf ball. And those are probably their biggest limitations to the distance they're getting rather than what the golf ball can do. Plus, we already live in a capped golf ball world. Yeah, and, and by the way, a lot of golfers that I would have, that I work with, that I would have worked with, they actually don't even understand the golf ball. So now we're throwing more, <laughs> uh, adding more fuel to the fire, whereby, oh, you're limiting the golf ball. Why are you doing that? And then it's a whole nother kind of storyline, if you will. So... Um, I know kind of where on the, the topic of the golf ball um, from, from, from where it was generated from, but like, my God, if they started getting into the driver side of things, then um, I think Brian made a very, very good point in relation to kind of finding that happy medium in a sense that it's, it's, it's limiting, it's limiting the top guys. It's not hurting the middle guys and it's allowing uh, for more challenge, more, it's developing a little bit more skill and asking a little bit more skill of the player, whatever that solution is. Um, I just hope they come to a, 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 a an amicable one. <laughs> Ryan, do you see, do you see any kind of, um, I'm going to say backlash coming from the RNA 
and USGA too, because <clears throat> a lot of, well, Rory was obviously the, the figurehead for what he said yesterday. Reeks that, of yeah, self-importance. <laughs> not a great line. <laughs> for, for what he said yesterday, you saw pretty much every pro roll in behind him on Twitter, retweeted it or pointed to it on Instagram. Um, will they roll back? Will, who, who backs down from here now? Well, that'll be the power struggle, right? Because, um, you know, we've seen the PGA Tour as, you know, they've been very adamant. They're not, they, they, they're not in the rulemaking business. Um, they very much like distance as an entertainment product. I think that's been pretty obvious in, in the way they've promoted and packaged their sport and highlighted it. Um, so it'll be, you know, this this will be a little bit of a, a tug of war, I, I think, that we're going to see. And and uh, the, the tour has the advantage of having players on its side, um, to your point. Um, almost every player has come out with a certain, uh, you know, or, or backing the comments of Rory. We saw Justin Thomas um, say a lot of the same things and, and retweet and, and agree with Rory um, and a lot of, play, you know, we've seen other players, Billy Horschel, another player who said, look, I, I hit seven iron 180 yards when I was in college. I hit seven iron 180 yards. Now no, nothing's really changed. I'm not sure I agree with that um, as, as an overall assessment, but uh, again, this is going to be, you know, there's going to be a lot of conversations, I think in back rooms, closed doors, meetings, between these organizations because, um, you know, you, you need buy-in from, from the professional game, from the tour. So, and, and those are the public, that's very much the public face of the sport to a lot of people. Um, whether you play golf or not, it, it's still, uh, you know, those are the people that are on TV every week. Um, and, and that tends to carry a lot of weight in, in the court of public opinion. And in in that court you exist the brands who also have an agenda like yes mark you you would be normally at the forefront of the new pro v1 pro v1x launch taylor made with the same driver callaway have come out and they've all their clubs launching at the same time they have the money to to dictate a certain amount and i'm wondering the USGA kind of back down to all of that pressure. So they're, they and the RNA are, are standing alone in this and everyone around them is saying within the game from amateur pro brand are saying we're not, no, because I suppose someone has to make, <laughs> someone has to make this golf ball for them. If, they, if that's what they're talking about doing and the brands decide that they're not going to do it or not. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's just, it's just, I don't think there's an answer to it because if it seems completely against what, if the brands are all about like pushing, getting, we have the longest golf ball, we have the straightest golf ball, we have the straightest driver, we have the longest driver. And the USGA and the RNA said, well, you can't make that driver as long. You can't make that ball that long. Pro V1 um, before the X was launched. Um, there was obviously huge advancements within that golf ball going from uh, or going into a, a, a urethane cover. Um, the process, like the, the ZG processing that is used um, to make a Pro V1, Pro V1 X um, is, is fantastic. Titleists are in control, full control of making their own golf ball, going through umpteen checks to make sure it's going to perform to the best level, both on tour and on, in the general market for the amateur golfer. Um, it's interesting that we, when the USGA and the RNA were doing their initial tests, I might have said this to you guys before, but like Titleist opened the doors for them to come in and, and use the facility to test, and and they actually helped uh, with with what type of research they were trying to uh, cover and and what they were trying to find. So um, there was there was a nice collaboration there. Um, obviously what they found, nothing has come out just yet, um, but, um, it, it is, and it's interesting because the, 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 the face itself of the driver, 
um, is 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 being capped and it's being slowed down. And there's there's tests in place. There's um, changeable time tests, CT testing in place that happens at every tour event every week for 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 these guys to to make sure that their driver is 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 within the the legal limits. So there's already these things in place, but here's here's a curveball. Mm-hmm. Let's say they excuse the pun. Uh, let's say they roll back the ball um, and they make it, let's say, shorter in distance. <laughs> to your point, Dave, yes, they will have to influence it via the compression of the golf ball. So the core of the golf ball is is going to have to go under some type of um, change, structural change. Um, what happens when a guy comes out on tour and all of a sudden he's starting to hit that golf ball that they've limited 320 yards, 329, I think, is what Bryson is hitting at the moment, 320, 324, Rory's doing. So what did they do then? You know, like, this is what annoys me as as a golfer, as someone who works in the industry, who loves helping and working with amateurs, is that they're looking at such a small percentage of of the bigger picture here. Um, and it's just, it's, it's just, I don't think it's good for the game at all. I think they're just wasting their time. So what happens if you don't touch the golf ball? Because we've got a finite amount of land on this planet that we live on. And you're going to come into areas where, like I live across the road from a golf course, there are houses and roads surrounding the golf course. What if they want to extend that golf course to have a tour event? You're gonna have nowhere to go, and eventually, like you're gonna, this conversation is gonna to come to a head again. Like Brian, Brian, what's 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 the alternative here? What happens if we don't do anything? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't. It, it's got to get figured out at some point because, um, you know, look, a eight thousand yard golf courses aren't the answer uh, for several reasons. Um, not the least of which is, is uh, that isn't really a, you know, we've seen guys really not have a problem with that. So, um, and then, you know, do you, you know, some of the suggestions by Webb Simpson pointed out, um, you know, tinier greens, um, tighter fairways, more dog legs, trees, look, tour events, um, professional events happen once a, once a year. Uh, for a week a year. So what about the other 51 weeks a year? Um, maintaining that, getting that into that sort of condition, adding all of, adding trees, things. Like, I mean, who, who's paying for that, right? Your, your members are paying for that. The public's paying for that. Um, you know, then there are agronomical issues uh, in play there, water issues, so forth. So to me, that's not the answer either. I, you know, where does this go? I, I think it, to me, I think something's got to be done. They've got to come to some sort of agreement on ultimately some, uh, whether you want to call it bifurcation or not, an ability to put in place a local rule to make changes at the professional level. Um, you know, whether it gets to that, again, who knows? I, I think you're going to need both sides to come a little way, you know, to come off their position a little. Um, you know, to do nothing would, I mean, look at, look at places like St. Andrews, um, the home of golf. I mean, w- what's happening there in, in terms of um, where this all plays into. So, you know, you don't, you don't, certainly golf courses need, you know, probably should evolve as, as we evolve, as the game evolves and so forth. Um, you know, some courses simply can't host a professional event anymore because of the golf courses too short and too easy. And that's, and that's fine. Um, that said, you, you, there is a tipping point and, you know, where do you go? And, and, and um, there are a lot of issues that come up with this. So to me, there's gotta be some solution as there are generally with most things somewhere toward the middle uh, with both sides, giving up a little bit of their stance and, and figuring, figuring out some sort of compromise. Yeah, agreed. I think uh, there has to be a happy medium, and and by the way, like for me, like this discussion is is on topic of 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 the tour player. Like this to me wouldn't wouldn't 
kind of dissolve down onto the onto the amateur game. Um, Absolutely, yeah, definitely. Mm. If I ever start driving to three twenty, three thirty, I will have no problem using a bifurcated ball. It's actually an interesting point that that Brian brought up um, on the Web Simpson side of it, and I think he said something quite interesting. Um, Web Simpson did, and that's the smaller greens. Um, because if you think about it, the evolution of of both uh, equipment. Um, within the bag, you've got your golf ball and, and driver in this case, because this is what everyone's talking about. The driver is, is, is more stable than ever before. It's right on the cusp of, of, of its limitation of speed. Um, the golf ball is, 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 is flying straighter than ever before. So the actual green size hasn't changed. The narrowing of fairways is probably something that we see at US Open, stuff like that. The interesting thing when you go to the likes of Augusta is that they don't play massive rough there either. So you can kind of bang it anywhere and um, get away with it per se. So like all of a sudden, without kind of going straight into the likes of slowing down the golf ball or slowing down the driver and making the ball kind of slower and and pull back the distance, all you're doing is, is you're actually now evolving the setup of a golf course. Not so much changing it from a, a, an architectural point of view, um, but actually the setup of, of a golf course now becomes a lot tighter to that skill level. In my opinion, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be hurting the, 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 the shorter driver of the golf ball off the tee. And if anything, it, it's helping them because they're, if they're middle of the table uh, in, in, in driving stats at two, 280, whatever it may be, Again, back to my earlier point with Matt Fitzpatrick is that he's he's top ten in greens and regulations. So that that there to me is that happy medium. If the guy wants to stand there and blast it off the tee like Bryson or whatnot, you're taking that risk of having a a, a ball not hitting the fairway. You're you're taking on that risk where you don't have as much green to play with for when you land the ball on it and then controlling it. So. Again, that that would be something I would I would I would voice. So it's what narrowing the fairway in parts rather than in total, because like like we saw from the U.S. Open, Bryson being ahead of everyone and taking over the dog legs means that being in the rough and taking a nine iron is still a hell of a lot easier being in the rough taking a seven iron. Yeah, and I'd grow it longer. You know, like everyone years ago was talking about tiger-proofing golf courses, and I think there's a mentality out there that because someone is hitting it long. And by the way, I'm, I'm coming back to the point that it's such a small percentage of these guys hitting it long. Um, okay, what's considered long nowadays? Top 78 players in, on the PGA Tour are hitting it 300, over 300 yards. You know, So all of a sudden, if you start finding at a tour event where these guys are actually hitting it into um, off the tee, Okay, ideally on a fairway. But then when you start spreading across the 330 yards, anything from 310 to 330 off the tee, if you really start putting, growing the rough, so that if you do want to bang it over a corner um, and and have it, it doesn't matter to to, to your point, Johnny, where you might have a a, a nine iron in, but I don't really care. I can still get it through the turf. Actually make it knee high long rough that, okay, if I actually hit here, I'm, I'm gone. I'm out of play completely. So you're, you're, you're putting that obstacle in their place. And if they do choose to hit the driver, they got to be on that fairway. Um, and if you make it tighter, so be it. If you make the green smaller, so be it. Because if they do hit it into the rough, they're not going to get as much control up, up from the golf ball onto the green. They'll all have to play like Larry Mize in the Masters. They'll all be playing from <laughs> miles back. <laughs> 300 yard second shots in the par fives and everything. <laughs> But that's it. Like again, I don't know what Brian's opinion will be of it. Um, but again, for me, it's when you grow rough and you make it really gnarly. Um, apart from getting a plug ball, um, you're uh, you're not controlling that golf ball out of out of any type of uh, long well, grass. A plug ball on the rough sounds like a topic for another podcast, but <laughs> we'd be here all night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but 
we're, we're trying to stick this yeah. in 40 minutes. You know, look, I, look, I don't know. I just, uh, I also look at it like, um, you know, sure, uh, growing rough, but, you know, I look, I look at the PGA tour and how it treats rough, for example, um, you know, there's a sameness about PGA tour courses week to week. I mean, sure. There's the odd, uh, you know, there's the West coast swing where there's a bit of variety there. Um, why certainly falls into that, but I think when you look week to week at the bulk of the PGA tour schedule, um, you know, the setups are the same. It's, it's the same golf courses week after week after week, uh, just changed uh, some of the dynamics of it. And, uh, you know, so these guys don't really have any trouble getting out of thick rough um, unless it's grown to silly heights. And then you're, then it's like, well, you know, where, where's the line of just goofiness? Um, you know, um, that's what's so, that's, what's always so interesting to me or appealing to me, you know, about the open championship is you never know what kind of lie you're going to get when you hit it offline there. And that's, you know, kind of how it should be. It, yeah. it feels like you shouldn't have, I guess you can make a case that, you know, sure. Some places you might, want to have uniform rough and so forth. But um, as these guys have shown, you know, week in and week out, I, there's, there's little that can deter them. Uh, you know, you look at what Bryson did um, at the, you know, at the U S open last year. And there's, you know, the element that Adam Scott brings up, I, I think is a valid one. It's, uh, it, it's harder to miss with these clubs now with, especially with drivers. So I think that certainly plays a role. Um, you know, I, do I want to see knee high rough every week for these guys, you know, and where they just have to chop it out? I mean, I guess that's one way to go about it. Uh, I know none of us want to experience that. What fun would that be? Just getting your, your ass handed to you <laughs> by a golf course. Um, you know, I, I used to live in, in Ponte Vedra in, in Jacksonville beach area and, and I would play TPC sawgrass on occasion. And, you know, frankly, it wasn't very fun at times because it, it's just a really hard, uh, not terribly enjoyable golf course. Uh, I'm all for tests and challenges, but it, it didn't really, it doesn't really suit my cup of tea when it comes to golf courses. And, and, uh, and I think it's, it's, it's sort of banally difficult. So, um, I, you know, I, I, again, I, I tend to lean toward there's got to be somewhere in the middle. Setup is certainly part of it. Um, but there's probably some things that could be implemented at the professional level that would that would stem some of this. I mean, we've seen other sports do it. We've seen other games adapt and change um, over the years, implementing different rules or, or different standards for equipment. You can look at tennis as an example and things they've done. Uh, you know, we don't see serving volleyers any, or, anymore. Um, you know, we, we had that era where it was sort of a big boom era of big servers and, and points were over quickly and you don't really have that anymore. So um, I don't know what golf will do. It's, it's a complicated, long-winded process um, that I think we're still probably a ways to getting in any kind of real action from. I, I don't want to ask about the, the club length because I think that 46 inches is just an incredibly flawed idea. I mean... I'm not gonna get into it, but like, what if you're like, and or what if you're a basketball player and you're really tall and you need like a 48 inch striper? Like that, yeah. it's crazy. But <laughs> I mean, I'm six four. You know, I I don't play with a 48 inch driver, but but I need longer. You know, my my irons are are over standard. My my, you know, I probably could benefit from a slightly longer driver. So if somebody six seven six yeah. eight, what are you gonna do? So I I think there's that's a valid point. Who, by the way, Bryson says he would be fine uh, with if they decided to shorten driver shafts. He's he's apparently settled on his forty-five and a half inch driver, so that would fall within the guidelines. Plus, as well, a, a lot of guys out there would have traditionally played shorter drivers. The the, mm -hmm. the industry standard was forty-five. Um, maybe one or two manufacturers came out with the approach of generating more club head speed with a longer longer lever i.e making the shaft longer so moving from 45 to 46 and a quarter i believe one was um 
and kind of they've been working off 45 to that 46 and a 46 and a half. But previous to that, a lot, a lot of tour players would have been 43 and a half to 44 and a half. Mm-hmm. And some still do, believe it or not. Um, so, it, again, they, they didn't give a full um, statement on the length. They just kind of threw the number out there, um, which just left everyone kind of, well, what's that about? So... Uh, that that to me again, if they had some feet, if they had some backup on, on a proper statement about well, this is the reason why, I think that would be a, would have been a lot clearer and people would have understood it. And again, it's back to this point. And again, Brian alluded to it. It's just it's so vague, <laughs> so vague. I had a, I had a quick look and Golf WRX is good on on specs of shafts that, and lengths of drivers and I could not they do a like a good what's in the bag of, of people's clubs and I could not find one tour player playing over 46 inch on a driver yeah. and that's like right through from farmers right back to to white but like I just want to pick up on a little point that you you went to Brian around around courses and stuff like that like there are players who are playing this kind of game that are ruling themselves out of winning a lot of places. Bryson got his arse handed to him in the Masters, despite telling everybody he was going to take it apart. He'll never win an Open Championship. He just can't win an Open Championship. Not, not, you, you can't play that way because you just lose too many balls. If he was in Port Rush a couple of years ago, like, I'm playing the way he did now. He, like, he, he'd have been on the beach half the time. So I think... What, what a lot of the players are doing by going into extremes and Robbie Cannon who's Shane Larry's uh, fitness coach has always said this like in extremes lies danger for players and this massive distance rush is going is to is bite these guys and it's not going to bite them any less if the ball spins more and goes less distance but um, I think what's very clear is that probably between us four we're probably not going to come up with a solution tonight unfortunately um, but uh, it's been unbelievable to have you guys uh, to chat through this because um, hopefully it cleared it up for people and people are going to be talking about it, but it's nice to be able to talk about it in kind of layman's terms. So Brian and Mark, thank you so much for joining us. It was uh, time flew to be honest. So happy days. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Likewise. Thanks again. On the tee, Jack Nicholas. This is the minute. The millions around the world have waited for. We will allow you to enjoy all of this. They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory. 